Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. Hey, I want to kick off this time. You guys have amazing pastors here that preach the word. The times that I come, I'm like, are they like in their 70s or 80s? Because they, they preach like great wells of wisdom, and it just blows me away. And I'm all actually a little nervous to be speaking in front of them because I'm older, but I don't know if I'm wiser. So, Obviously, with technology, I'm not doing so hot. But anyway, the other thing I did wrong with technology is I printed my notes on both sides, which is not good. But it's not as bad as when you print sheet music on both sides and you're in worship. How many have done that? And then you're like having to fumble everything around. So that's really a bummer. So uh, is it Andoni? Is he here? Is he on vacation? Okay, here's the title of my sermon. Three things Jake, Alex, and Andoni, is this saying it right, Andoni? Probably taught you about worship, but you have forgotten. <laughs> so really clever. The first one is, and you notice as we came up here, I want to talk just a few minutes about worship on earth reflects the worship in heaven. We'll talk about that. The second one is worship should take us where we need to go, not just where we want to go. And third is ruts in worship make us stagnant, a lot like the nasty water in an abandoned pond on the back of some property in a humid climate region. Okay, so... They didn't put those words up there. First, worship on earth reflects... The worship in heaven. First part of that is that worship is transformational, isn't it? I mean, real worship is transformational. Romans 12 says, don't be squeezed into this world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do you guys remember the Transformers? Did we get a picture of that? Yeah. Some of you are too young to even remember the Transformers. But some of us remember Transformers. The only thing wrong with Transformers, they weren't exactly correct because they didn't change substance, right? It was a little toy car, and you changed it, but it was still plastic, right? You made it into a, a plastic cyber or whatever they call them, different things. But it didn't change substance. Worship changes and transforms our substance. So when we read of the worship in heaven, we read of people who have no hang-ups and no barriers anymore, Right? We still see through a glass darkly, it says in the Bible, but we will see him face to face and how amazing that's going to be. But what we do see, we desire to become like and reflect and what we see of the worship in heaven, a true transformer should have, as you twist it, it should turn into a different shape. Like it should have started out as goo and then transformed into an Autobot or a Cybertron. That's in my notes, so I'm just reading it. But Praise and worship is different from each other, okay? Am I on the right notes? See, this is the problem without page numbers in any of this, so just bear with me. I'm random thoughts a little bit, but praise and worship are different from one another. Here's why. The stars praise him, it says in the Bible. The animals praise him. The seas praise him. Trees, stones under our feet, etc. they praise. 
But are they changed by their praise? Are they able to change? They're not changed. Only we can be changed through transformation, through true worship, allowing the Holy Spirit to change the shape of us. Worship takes that metamorphosis of us into a new form, right? The new us, laid down lover of Jesus. Uh, the word uh, renew, you think about transformation, the original word, I looked it up, and it's metamorphosis. That's the word for transformation. So this transformation that we have in our worship of the Lord is changed into a whole new reality. The word metamorphosis actually means in keeping with a new inner reality. This is the kind of transformation that we have through worshiping God. It's a changing into a whole new reality. So our goo becomes a different substance, so to speak. Um, another way that worship reflects heaven on earth is through all nations and all generations. You know, I loved the, what you heard at the beginning was Trisha and I had a chance to be in Tanzania, and we were out at a Maasai village. We got to go out and have worship service with a hundred ladies at a Maasai village. And it was like, you know how you have those aha moments? There's like a moment when my wife and I and our kids drove around the corner on this mountain and there we were at Yosemite. And we saw Half Dome and we saw Bridal Veil Falls. And we pulled over the car and we got out with our kids and we just started singing our God is an awesome God. It was one of those awe moments. Well, when we're sitting in this little Ingikarit, it's a little compound out in the bush bush, with a hundred women that came. They actually appeared, you guys. Do you know how you see in the movies where there's like the desert and you see, woo, 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 you know, and then Clint Eastwood starts coming, the pale rider on the horse and stuff. They actually, these ladies just appeared, right, Trish? We're standing there and they just start appearing and they have like stuff on their heads, like, um, I don't know, bowls and things that they're bringing, maybe with the food. And they come and they're just regal women walking in from all sides, just coming in from the bush bush. It was one of those aha moments. But back to this, talking about the worship on earth reflecting in heaven, all nations. Let's read this together. Psalm 86.9 says these words. O Lord, there is none like you among the gods, nor are any works like yours. Let's say this together. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. And Psalm 113 says, from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. This part's great because right, right now the sun's rising somewhere, right? And right now the sun's setting somewhere. So how often is the name of the Lord to be praised? All the time. <laughs> from the rising to the setting. It's beautiful. Uh, constantly being praised. The Lord, let's say this together. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, I don't even know how to read that. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Say with me these words, on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation 7, 9 says this. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches on their hands pretty amazing from all tribes, tongues, and nations. I think we have people tonight maybe from that. And I want to celebrate us real quick. Is that all right? Okay. So let's celebrate first. Anyone here, American Indian, I got these from uh, passports, by the way. There's like seven different ones. So we're not trying to focus on any group and 
make it look bigger or smaller. We want to celebrate everybody. So is there anyone here tonight that is American Indian or Alaska Native, First Nation kind of person? Would you stand? We just want to celebrate you. Anyone? All right. Anyone Asian? Asians here tonight. Stand. Stand up. We want to celebrate you. Woo! Anyone black or African American here tonight? Would you stand? Yes. And he's from Texas. Yes. Hispanic, Latino. Woo! <laughs> Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, anyone from that? Oh, I missed that. Yes. I lived in, we lived in Kona for two, three, two and a half years. We missed the Pacific Islanders. And then uh, white. Now, this, this category is very, very, I mean, I like have 40 different, I don't know what. I think I have some Sioux Indian in me, so I should have stood on the first one. But uh, white, everyone else, stand, let's celebrate. Woo! Now, everybody stand and celebrate each other because we are from every tribe, nation, tongue, and kingdom. Thank you. This is a little bit of the worship in heaven. It's going to be amazing. Every tribe, tongue, language group, not worshiping in English, not worship. Everybody's going to worship, I think, in their own tongue, right? And they're going to worship in their own way. It's going to be beautiful. Revelation 5, 9 said they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God people from every tribe and language and people and nation on earth. Can you say this with me? You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood, you purchased for God, people from every tribe and language and people and nation. I feel like I'm doing a wedding <laughs> kind of thing. That's cool, though. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, I got a lot more verses here, but um, I'm going to skip ahead. Anyway, Psalm 66 says, Come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for people. Let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing his praises. There's something so spiritual and so beautiful about us all coming together and worshiping the Lord together. There was an African-American bishop I, was, I heard on the radio a few weeks ago, and he said, Christians are the most segregated on Sunday morning. And you think about it, it does ring true that in some ways we do have different churches meeting, you know, at different times. It's almost segregated. And there, but I think there's something to that. Sometimes we feel the comfort of our own people group our own language, but I think there's something beautiful about us coming together and celebrating the Lord together. It's a wonderful thing. Our, one of our aims of worship is to display the glory of Christ through the ingathering of hugely diverse and unified, redeemed people. Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The second thing I want to talk about is worship should take you, take us where we need to go. Okay, where we want to go is where we are most comfortable, and that's okay to start with, right? Let's say uh, where you're most comfortable with, uh, where you want to go. There's a lady named Sandra 
Van Opstel, and she has a book, a great little book called The Mission of Worship. And she says when people come to Chicago, where she lives, the first thing they do, they want to do is the things they, places they want to go, right? So if you're going to Chicago, you probably, if, especially if you're into baseball, you want to go to Wrigley Field. You want to go check that. Is that Chicago? Yeah, that's not Boston. No, which one's Boston? Fenway, thank you. Okay, got that right. Uh, of course, you want to have Chicago-style pizza. I mean, I've only had it at the airport in Chicago, and it was amazing even there. So I can't imagine going into Chicago and getting the pizza. <laughs> it was great. So, but she, after they go a few days on what they want to do and where they want to go, she takes them where they need to go. Now, how many of you know that when people come to your hometown, there's places that they might want to do, things they want to do, but then there's places they need to go. And the one she said is the Barinkin Hotel on Humboldt Park for plantain and steak sandwiches. Does that sound good? I don't know. I don't like plantain, but steak is good. So let's say somebody comes into Portland, right? And they might want to go to Voodoo Donuts. Place they want to go. When they really need to go down to Tualatin behind the McDonald's to Donut Land, the best donuts in Oregon. That's where they need to go. They might want to go to PDX Sliders but they need to go to Gym 100 and get the toasted cheeseburger. Have you had it? It's very good. So we all have our things where people want to go, but where they need to go is someplace different. Most people that go to Tanzania, they want to go there on a safari, right? In the shadows of Mount Kilimanjaro. That's where they want to go. But where we went, like I told you, was in the bush bush with the Maasai women for a prayer gathering. You heard their worship. Now I want you to hear their prayer for a second. Can we turn on them praying? (laughs) And, you know, they were praying intently, and I asked somebody, or Trish did afterwards, why are they praying so intently? They said they're praying for rain. If they don't have rain, their goats and their cows will die, and then they will die soon after. And we saw from that, wow. That's pretty crazy. As I hear this, uh, do we really have permission to worship with, well, you know what, I think I did get my notes wrong. Because <laughs> I did, they're all messed up, you guys. I am so sorry. Uh, should I just read down here? Okay. Oh, I guess it is right. I just have a lot of, what? No notes? <laughs> So there's places that we want to go and worship, right? We go, we come in, and we want to go where we're comfortable and worship. We, we like our certain kind of music, and we like things that are our tastes. But there's places that we need to go and worship. Sandra goes on and says, Worship is a response to God, the only one who is worthy to receive glory. And mission is a call for us to invite others into this response. This is where worship and mission intersect. There are places that we need to go tonight in worship, and I think we did some of that. It's pretty amazing. Uh, How does our worship reflect every tribe and tongue and nation and people? There's something that I like to call, and this might be a little off the subject, but ethnic worship, which I think is so important. We've traveled all over the world. We've had a chance to go to a lot of different places. And what bothers me sometimes is you'll go into Fiji, and then you'll go to Costa Rica, and then you'll go to Cambodia, and they're all singing their version of a 
Hillsong United song, you know, and it's okay. But then you see them go where they really need to go, where they get their own instruments and they start singing in their own language and it makes them come alive. There's places that we need to go in worship as well, away from our comfort zone and away from what we think is, you know, the best way to do worship. And that leads me to the third part, which is really where I want to stay for a minute. Ruts in worship make us grow stagnant. Uh, There are two attitudes that lead to ruts in worship, and that's preferences and entitlements. (laughs) Now, in youth ministry, when I was a youth pastor, an expert was anyone from out of town, right? So when you wanted to... When you wanted your kids to really listen in youth group and pay attention and take notes, you got another youth pastor from a town over to come and talk on sex, right, or something. And you got the hardest subjects, and you, hey, will you come over and talk to my youth group tonight? But uh, So an expert is anyone from out of town. But I guess they wanted me to come in, and I guess I'll be the expert tonight talking about this stuff. But I want to talk about preferences and entitlements and uh, be the one that's like a little mean about it. No, not joking. Just joking. But when we look at the life, when we look at uh, t- entitlements and preferences, I was praying, Lord, how can I bring that up? You know, how can I talk about this to th- these amazing people? And He said, "We'll talk about Esther first. So, wow, that was like a curveball. So, Esther, you know, she had this time where she needed to go in before the king. And when we're in, when we're going to worship, we're going in before the king. And she got herself prepared for two years to go in before the king the first time. But there was another time when she needed to go in before the king, and he was actually her husband, and she hadn't been in there for so long. And if you walked in before a king and they didn't hold out their scepter to you, then you were immediately killed. They had to hold out the scepter. Thank you, we have a God who always holds out the scepter, (laughs) accepts us, right? The scepter, he's accepting us. I don't know if those words are the same, but it works really good. But he accepts us. Anyone who appeared before the king had to be accepted into his presence. What if Esther was sitting out there with her eunuchs that were helping her get ready, and she insisted on, I want to, you know, she asked them, and she wanted to get prepared right. But what if she just said, no, I prefer to go in in blue jeans, and, you know, I'm just going to go in how I am. I'm not talking about dress as far as coming to worship, but I'm talking about her attitude. And if Esther had insisted on her personal preferences, I will do what I want to do. I'm comfortable with what makes me happy. I'm going to go where I want to go in worship instead of where I need to go in worship. If she had done that, there would be no Esther story, right? (laughs) Mordecai would have hung. The Jews would have died. End of story. No cheesy movie made by a Christian movie company. Sorry. (laughs) And maybe you're too young to remember the cheesy movie. But... Another one, another example is David and Michael. Now, there was the Ark of the Covenant that had been taken and stolen, and it was making its way back. And David was so excited that it said he took off his outer garments, right? He took off his kingly garments. And so here he is basically in a holy ephod. He's in priestly underwear at that point. And I just want to pick up the story there. It says in 2 Samuel 6, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. How much of his might? Wearing a priestly garment. 
You guys, when we come before the Lord with all of our might, wearing a priestly garment, it's this thing we take off our titles. I'll talk about that. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and blowing the ram's horn. But as the ark of God entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But these servant girls you're mentioning indeed think that I'm distinguished. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless for the rest of her life. Now we'll put those thoughts in the drawer for a second. David was wearing the priestly garment and the willingness to be humiliated in others' eyes. I want to talk about preferences now for a minute. Uh, Preferences are really colored and tapered by our our upbringing, right? Our preferences for food, our preferences for anything else. Uh, For me, growing up, dancing was always a sin. I mean, any kind of dancing was like really looked down on. We couldn't go to high school dances. Yep, anybody else? Yeah. Uh, My brother Tim went to the prom, and uh, my dad went and took him out of the prom. Uh, that was, yeah, that caused me to know the next year not to go to the prom because there is some wisdom in there. So, but this actually created a rift between me and dance and like looking at dance as being bad. And even in a way of worship and dance, it became like a taboo thing. I prefer not to dance during worship. This is one of my preferences. I don't want to do that. Perhaps you were raised that like drums in church were a no-no, Right or that any kind of musical expression in church. Some were taught that there was an unholy drum beat. Doom, doom, doom. That's an African drum beat. That's bad. They did that in tribal things. You know, it's not. (laughs) It's it's a drum, and you're beating it. Okay, it's the spirit behind the thing that can make it bad. But I went to this thing called Basic Youth Conflicts, and it was down in Eugene at the big, the Oregon, University of Oregon basketball court. And the guy got up there and ta- started talking about rock music being bad because the drum beat is an African thing. And we, my dad would be like, are you listening, kids? You know, The same dad, my, pa- my dad who was a pastor, that 20 years later was like going to vineyard conferences and rocking out on vineyard music you know, and stuff. So I don't know. But anyway, I digress. Maybe you uh, were taught that decency and order meant we should be still and silent in church. Now, right now, I'm in a Quaker church, but see, our local Quaker church last Sunday, we had some really neat worship going on, and I thought I might hear a backlash about it. And even Tuesday night at a door, there were people like with flags and things. I never heard any kind of negative thing come out of it. In fact, Betty Comfort, can you say the name Betty Comfort? She actually lives here in this they're a wonderful Quaker family, and they're, every time they speak to us, it's comforting. I mean, seriously, they're amazing. She wrote instead and said, we've always been a thing about quietness at this Quaker church, but we don't need that quietness, basically what she's saying. We want to be shaken. We want to be stirred by the Holy Spirit. We want 
something like that to happen, and she was breaking down her preferences, you know. I like what Acts 5.29 says. Peter and the apostles said, I'm going to obey God rather than man and human authority. This can be a slippery slope if we don't come under godly leadership. But guess what? If the leadership is making rules not founded in the Bible, maybe rules about worship and things, truth is uh, you should walk away from that kind of church or that kind of place where they're not following that. Um, I like something, you know, always bring your preferences to the Bible and see if they're biblically based. So you might have a set of preferences of even how you like to worship or things. No dancing? Well, David danced before the Lord. There's a time for mourning, a time for dancing. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. No drums? So it says praise him with loud and resounding cymbals. The maidens danced and beat their tambourines. There's biblical basis for these things, but we like to have our preferences or maybe it's something that's been put on us by others. Uh, there's, thank you, brother. There's never one about paying. The Bible's full of examples. There's never one about paying attention to our own preferences or even the preferences of others when it comes to these things. I want to talk about entitlements, too. This is close to preferences, but it could be an opposite spirit. An entitlement is like a right that I think I have, a belief that I deserve a certain privilege. First Corinthians 10 says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for only your good, but for the good of others. I, here's an example. I prefer not to ever lift my hands, even though it's commanded to do so in Scripture. That's a preference, okay? Entitlement is I'm going to do what I feel like, even though it seems like a holy pause, I'm going to just run around the front and dance and sing la la la. So that <laughs> there might be that too. Uh, the ruts we get in start with preferences and entitlements. Uh, I wrote here, we seem to be reduced to what we feel like doing at the moment. Uh, put that slide up there. Getting out of ruts takes an act of our will. It says in Psalm 34, so we have a will, right? We have a will, and there's preferences and entitlements pushing at us, and we want, we say we, we have a right to this, or we don't like doing that, but we have this thing that we can do. We can say, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. And the real, the original way that is, is as an act of my will, I'm going to do this. As an act of my will, constantly speak his praise. As an act of my will, at all times I will praise the Lord. As an act of my will, I will boast only in the Lord. And so this is a thing of where we take control of those things and we act on, as an act of my will, I'm going to change. I'm going to have that metamorphosis happen, that transformation in worship. Uh, now let's open back up the drawers of the David story. First, he stripped down to those priestly undergarments, like I said. David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. When we come before the Lord, we lose the entitlements of our earthly rights to choose how we will worship. Esther couldn't choose how she would enter the king's presence. David's worship became extravagant only as he lost his kingly clothes. So he took off all of the entitlements as a king, and he came with priestly clothes on as a priest before the Lord. He took off all of his authority as a king, and he came as a little kid dancing wildly before the Lord. As we walk in to the Lord's presence, not just in church, but in life, right? 
He wants us to strip off all of our entitlements, strip off all of our preferences, and come before him with priestly garments on. When you have priestly garments on, you're all about like ready obedience, like we talked about tonight. Thank you for getting up and even sharing. That's ready obedience when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and we're ready obedient to just follow him in that way. Uh, so I love that how he also said, I'm willing to become small in my own eyes. You guys, a lot of times we're really worried about what people might think. And there's this thing, I, there was a cheesy old song, Lose Your Inhibitions. What song is that? We loved it. Yes. But I like the word in there. And when I would, you know, in legalism, I would think that's awful. Lose your inhibitions. The legalistic side of me is like, no, that's wrong. That's sinful to to uh, lose your in. We need to be inhibited a little bit. Right. How many of you have ever been worshiping the Lord and then you run into a wall that is built inside your own self? Like, I'm not going to go any farther. I'm not going to lose these inhibitions. I'm not going to, like, dance wildly before the Lord. I don't want to go to that level, extravagant worship with the Lord. So, yes, there's this thing where he said, I will be even more humiliated in my own eyes. It's kind of this, David said, you know what? I'm not going to just take it here, but I want to get even more humiliated in my own eyes. If I have to, in order to have extravagant worship, I will do that, if that's what the Lord wants. Are we willing to be humiliated in our own eyes? It's kind of a crazy thing to ask, huh? You notice how religious spirit and legalism, they like to hang out near freedom and humility and mock them like Michael mocked David. So there's freedom, there's humility, but you guys know humility. I taught, I used to teach uh, people in worship that this, this is not humble during worship. Way back from the mic. Don't listen to me. Uh, just listen to the Lord. No, true humility is to get right up here, sing with all your might before the Lord with what he's given you, and go for it. And I found out a lot of times, uh, in a lot of places that we went and taught, it was the ladies, and some reason, probably because men had dominated all of the ministry, <laughs> the churches, that the women were very, they were very uh, reluctant to get up and just really go for it. So I call out all the women here tonight, go for it. And maybe you've been inhibited by men in your life or something to even get up and express yourself before God. That's so sad. Maybe you've been inhibited by somebody in your life to get up and express yourself before God. Or maybe it's your own self that, and all those preferences, all those things that have been spoken into you by other people. But really humility, true humility and worship as we start these four weeks, true humility is to worship him with all your might. But like I said, religious spirit and legalism hang out near freedom and humility, right? They hang out near them. Look at, what, look at the Pharisees. They always hung out right around Jesus. Have you ever wondered? It says Jesus is way out in a field with his disciples, and they break off a little. And then it says, and the Pharisees saw it happen. I'm like, dude, they're walking with them as they walk through a field? Like, give them a break. Give Jesus and the disciples a little room by themselves. I mean, it just everywhere they go, hey, you know, there's always these Pharisees walking along. But we, we still have that, and it might be just right in here, that you always have that legalism and that Pharisee walking along. You're trying to really get free, go in a new season with the Lord. You need to 
you need to take thoughts captive under the obedience of Christ. And that might be that legalistic thought that's hanging out in your mind. That's like part of you is so excited and really wants, like some of you are called to go out and minister in the streets and you're called out and you know, you get that first impression from the Holy Spirit and then you get that second thought. The second thought is never good because that's our human thought that comes in, right? To distill it or reduce it. I had a, I had, while I was sitting there tonight, the Lord spoke to me. Uh, I wish I had my phone with me. But the Lord was saying, is my phone right there? This is what happens when you get older. It'll take me a second. Talk to your neighbor. Say, there's an old guy up there trying to get on his phone, so it's going to take a few minutes. <laughs> Here it is. That was a short talk, huh? Okay, this is what I felt for us tonight. This side of heaven is such a special, special thing when we worship Jesus. When we get to heaven, it's going to be so free. We won't have any of the things. You won't have your body weary. You won't be thinking about things that are happening next week. You won't have a to-do list. You won't have any of that. It's going to be way different. So the enemy knows that this side of heaven, worship is so super special and so amazing when we get, lose our inhibitions and worship the Lord. The enemy hates that. He knows that he doesn't have you. He knows that you're going to heaven someday. He knows that you're following Jesus. So the one thing that he wants to do is just dilute your worship and get your mind other places and get you being inhibited, then he'll feel like he got at least a little bit of victory in your life, even though he's not going to have you for eternity, right? So the enemy's always coming out to steal, kill, and destroy, and that doesn't always mean that it's going to be that he's going to steal, kill, and destroy you, but he might take away the beauty of worship that you can express. So the Lord told me that for you, that this side of worship, push through the doubt, push through the weariness, the enemy knows he doesn't get you, and he knows the power of free will worship, and it really irks him. Turn to your neighbor and say, it really irks him. The enemy knows the power of free will worship, and it irks him that you can worship freely the Lord. So I'm almost done here, but I wanted to talk one last thing. Who became barren in the story? The one who mocked, right? Right? The one who sat in the seat of the scornful, the one who sat in judgment, the one who was legalistic, they are the one who became barren. I also want to give a word of warning. Be careful when you prejudge, prejudice, you prejudge different things that are going on, like the way people worship the Lord. When you sit back, you're going to, we just, all of a sudden, we become the Pharisee, and there's the guy in the back of the room where like, I'm thankful I'm not like them. And yet the Lord's like going, I receive that beautiful worship from that person. So be real careful that you don't have a Michael spirit where you sit in judgment and you are scornful because you will be barren in your own soul in worship. Don't be a critique, critic. Get into the flow of what God's doing. Don't be a legalistical. Okay, there's one last thing, and then we're going to do some worship here at the end. There's going to be some prayer time. Uh, there's seven ways that we praise the Lord, right? And we're going to do this real quick. So 
Yara is the first. To worship with extended hands, absolute surrender, reaching up for God's arms. Can we do that first? Yara. Yara is biblical. Yara is beautiful worship before the Lord, lifting up holy hands in his name. I encourage you to go a little bit farther every time you come to Saints Hill in your worship. If you do this, the next week, do this. <laughs> you know, if you do this, the next week, do this, the next week. It's like push yourself forward in your worship. I will magnify the Lord. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, this is Christian dancing, right? I mean, it's just hopping, really, Christian hopping. But there are some of you that God wants to release in the beauty of dance, like even legit dance, like out in Kona and YWAM, we had sometimes where people would get up that were like super professional, and it was beautiful, but they just danced before the Lord. And like over here is a good spot. I'm just feeling the fire on that for some, for some dance. So, you know, to be expressive, a lot of times we just limit it to worship, and then maybe once in a while we'll have somebody do an etch-a-sketch on the side or something. Oh, we got a little art going on, worship. Let it flow, other things. Okay, Tahila to sing. Could be a spontaneous new song is actually what it's. Tahila. Come on. We don't need tequila. We need tahila. That's to sing and to laud. The third one is halal. To be clamorously foolish and to rave. You ever been to a rave party? We don't need that kind of rave party, but halal is actually in the Bible, and it means to rave. It means to go wild, go crazy a little bit. Stand up. Okay, you remember last time I was here during worship, I said, we're going to do what uh, from Elf? I love him, I love him, and I don't care who knows. We'll make that our rave. So everybody, let's do it. I love him. One more time. Woo! Yes. The next one is to kneel or to bow, Barak. I knew a man, every time a worship song said something, he did it. If it says, come let us worship and bow down, he was bowing down. Because he took the songs literally as an offering and gave them up to the Lord. We won't have you bow right now. You are sitting, so you're close. But I encourage you when the Lord calls you to bow down, even come around the front, even during worship. I don't think they're going to be upset if you come. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, now there will be some things maybe that uh, people might do that distract crazily in a way, and it might be something that needs to just have a little bit of tenderness to it and growth, but that's different than not having freedom at all. You have freedom here, right? In worship. Yes. Okay. Tadao. Two more, three more. Tadao. To give forth as an offering. Thanksgiving. Father, I thank you. Your word is truth. Just say thank you. That's a beautiful way to praise. Tadao. Zamar. To sing with instruments. Amen. Now, some of you can't. You're not very good at drums or anything, but I encourage everyone here to buy yourself or get yourself a drum or a shaker or something. Just make noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, everybody can do it. Uh, 
Did we have clap your hands? That's a good way to do it. Everybody clap. Okay, everybody, as I go by, clap one big clap. The last one is Shabbat, a loud adoration and shout. Now, earlier tonight, I think somebody asked people to shout, and it was, it was a little piddly. It was a little piddly. The uh, shout that we want is an extended shout over time. It's not like, ho! It's like, ho! Let's try that. Here we go. When you shout before the Lord, do it with all your might. That's, that's the way to do it. And that breaks the enemy's back. He hates that. Remember what I said, that he hates that you guys have free will, and yet you're coming in here and worshiping. He, actually, he hates that. That's so powerful. One night at our Tuesday night wooing, which you're all invited to, but, man, I don't know if we'd fit you. But Tuesday nights we meet uh, sometimes at our, our house, which is called Labrie's, sometimes at Mike and Barbie's. This in June, I think it's going to be always at your new place. You got your chandelier done. I saw it. Woo! But um, where was I going with that? Sometimes on Tuesday nights, uh, we have a guy named Monty that comes in, and he's a precious man of God. One night, we felt like we were supposed to just shout, like, in certain pitches. Oh, we were praying for Newburgh. We were praying for an outpouring. And it was a beautiful moment, and it was so powerful. And then we stopped, and Monty went, we're supposed to do that some more. <laughs> he has a great voice, you know. He's from Liberia. We're supposed to do that some more. The enemy is completely confused right now. <laughs> so it was awesome that the enemy gets confused when we come with this free will and we give it up to the Lord. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church. So much easier.